Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. guys, James here. Wanted to let you know about our sponsor this week, 80stees.com. I suggest everyone go over and take a look at their catalog of amazing t-shirts and merchandise. Everything from 80s movies, cartoons, TV shows, music shirts, wrestling, superheroes, video games, horror, but not just the 80s. They got the 70s, 90s, early 2000s. So go on, take a look at 80stees.com. And when you get to the checkout, make sure to use promo code BFOP to get an additional 30% off. Hey everyone, welcome back to Action Action on the BFOP Network. My name is John, and with me as always are my two hosts, co-hosts, I mean I think they're better hosts, they're hosts with the most I think, if you really, (laughs) we're going to break it down, Mm -hmm. I just do the intro, Uh, James and Dustin, hello James. Ooh, (laughs) Ooh. it's spooky. It It got pretty spooky around here. Yeah, spooky all of a sudden. Spooky season. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. We're deep into Spooktober. Shudder? <laughs> are, uh, you, are you telling us you've subscribed to Shudder? No. Uh, Shudder. Creek. 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 <laughs> oh, hold on. Uh, chains rattling. Chains rattling. Chains rattling. <laughs> I'm I'm spooked out. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Uh, really Ooh, feeling the yes. atmosphere here. I heard something in the... Ooh, what is... It? I think I'm hearing... A wolf man in the background. <laughs> it might just be a regular it one. It might be a regular wolf, but it is October. I think it's probably a wolf man. Safe to bet it's a wolf man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like where we live right now, this season has definitely changed. Uh, it's foggy every day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of I fog. I like the fog is kind of like a glow to it, though. Have you noticed yeah. that? It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's guys, that's, <laughs> guys. Oh, wait. We'll do this later. Guys, you just... You blew your load too early. Oh, shit. Classic, right, Dustin? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Dustin, Dustin's blowing his load when he, like, knocks on the door to deliver the pizza. Hey, this guy <laughs> blows his load. <laughs> you want to talk about blowing loads? <laughs> you want to talk about, well, not really. No. <laughs> not particularly. Uh, yeah, that's what I said when you brought it up. <laughs> Wait, what? I brought it up? Yeah, I'm here and Dustin's here. Uh, Whoa. Dustin's here. <laughs> Meow. 
All right, so how are we on this uh, spooky, spooky October Eve? Yeah, good. Getting in, really getting into the, the the feel of the season, you know. Yeah. Getting into my horror movie watching like I do every year. Although I'm a little a little slow. I feel a little slow this year. Well, we're recording one of our last uh, horror or our last October episodes to break the third wall here. A little bit early in the season compared to normal. That's true. Yeah. So um, there'll still be plenty of horror movies left for me to watch, but uh, I'm gonna have to yeah, gonna we'll have be to pick he- up my game. We'll be hearing about your horror movies all the way in in November. <laughs> yes, more than likely. Yeah, but, but on at, at at this stage, you're on a like two point two movies per day. Oh, pathetic. <laughs> James, though, I want to hear what, what James has been watching. Yeah. So what's James? What have you been watching, James? <clears throat> well. I watched a little movie, 1996, The Ghost and the Darkness. Oh, like The Lions? That's yeah, not Val Lions. Kilmer? That's not a horror movie. I mean, I guess you could kind of look at it like a horror movie. Yeah, it's it's like a you know Monster in the House style Jaws kind of. Yeah, a bit of a Jaws it's thing. Advent- it's animals atta- when animals film. attack. Uh, I if remember- this is a horror movie, then Zootopia is an action movie. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Zootopia is an action movie. Sure. Finally vindicated. <laughs> Just like Dashboard Confession. Drop that. Drop that song. <laughs> Vindicated. I am selfish. I am wrong. I am right. I yeah, I remember liking it when I watched it. So yeah, I just Michael thought, Douglas, right, and Val Kilmer together. I've been kind of wanting to watch some of like you know Jaws inspired movies. Right. So so this was one that I remember. So I thought I'd go back and watch it. There's a lot of talking, so it's a lot of talky talk. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's some good like the the scenes where you know they're looking into the grass and you see the shadow of right, the lion. Yeah. So like all those aspects are pretty cool. Uh, when the lions like attack or they're trying to hunt them, like all you know all that aspect is good. The graphics, eh, so so. A little bit but, of CG in there. A little bit of CG, but. Like you know, a, was that like a late 90, oh, 96, you said? Yeah, 96. Yeah. So, so I watched that, and then I also uh, I watched uh, 1989's The Intruder, or Intruder. Oh, Intruder, yeah. Yeah. Slasher in the grocery store? Yeah. So, this is another Tubi. Oh, it was on Tubi, yeah. Tubi thing. So, I, I picked it strictly off the cover art. <laughs> yeah. Um, the cover art kind of gave it away, though. So, <laughs> whoops. Um, because the cover art actually shows the guy that uh, the, who the killer who is. Who the killer is. Uh, okay. Um, but it was kind of like it was slow to start. Like I didn't know how it was gonna go. Yeah. Uh, but then it just like ramps it up. Yeah, the kills are pretty good in that one, as like, I recall. And it just gets more ridiculous. Like he ends up like playing with the head. At yeah. one point, and it's just... Isn't there something involving, like, a watermelon at one point? There is a watermelon, yeah. Okay, yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, it was enjoyable, so I definitely recommend that. And so there's a Bruce Campbell cameo in that one, too, isn't there? Is there? I I thought he showed up at the end, but maybe I'm mixing that up. But he, he has a few movies where he does real brief cameos. I mean, I could have totally missed it. Including the movie we're going to do next week, actually. Yeah, which I'm not here for. You're not here, James. You're going uh, to miss the Bruce Campbell cameo. I really want to watch this movie. I haven't watched it yet. The one we're going to do next week. No one's preventing you from watching it and yeah, calling still, in. No, no, I'm going to watch in, it. Call in. Yeah. It would be fun if... Yeah. I'm going to call in, yeah, with my opinion. <laughs> uh, anyways. Yeah. That's it. 
I watched another movie, but it has nothing to do with October, so. <laughs> well, fuck that shit then. Yeah. John, you watch any uh, nope. spooky spook spookers? No? No. Started watching Midnight Mass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, not a lot of. Not a lot going on yet. Slow to start. Yeah, uh, Mike Flanagan. He's usually kind of deliberately paced his his it's, stuff. That's more my style than James's style. James is more of a wham bam. <laughs> thank you, director. <laughs> wham bam. Thank you, director. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know the thing. I like Mike Flanagan's movies that I've seen, but I still haven't watched any of his uh, Netflix series. So what are his movies? Uh, he did like Gerald's Game, Stephen King. He's done a couple of Stephen King adaptations. That's right. Yeah, he yeah, did yeah. Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining. Yeah. Uh, he did like Oculus, a um, few things like that. Oh, he did Hush, which is on Netflix as well. It's a pretty good movie. It's a very quiet film. <laughs> well, it's uh, about a woman who is. Oh, she's the she's deaf. Yeah, she's yeah, and deaf, and then so she's in a house, and it's like a home invasion kind of. Mm. Uh, it's actually really entertaining. Home movie. invasion films. I think home invasion films are super underrated in the in the horror genre because they're truly the most terrifying. They're one of the yeah the scariest. I types. mean, like Funny Games is probably one of the scariest movies I've ever watched. Yeah, and there's a lot of those types of movies actually. Yeah, I was talking to somebody today, uh, a new person I'm working with, and uh, she has a, a tattoo uh, from uh, it's like an anime um, Miyazaki. What's his name? Uh, the the one everybody loves. Yeah, Miyazaki. Yeah, Miyazaki. It's a tattoo from one of her films. And uh, I'm like, oh, is that what you're kind of like you're into? She's like, yeah, or anything like she's very young. And she's like, or anything really spook scary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, OK, I can talk to you about this. So I'm like, let's 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 go. Like, um, And then uh, I was rattling off a bunch of stuff and she wasn't really into like the gory. You were like, name three songs. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I would never do that to somebody. Not not at my age. I mean, I like how you started with, hey, that tattoo. So is that what you're into? <laughs> no, what? it's not what I'm into. I just got it tattooed on me. No, I, you know, I asked the movie. I'm like, I asked what it was because I couldn't quite tell what it was. Like from to me, I'm like, what is this? A fucking like Zelda tattoo? Like, I don't know. Like, because mm-hmm. it all it's all kind of the fuck is that? And then I, we we, we <laughs> talked about that for a while because I was like, oh, talking about how we've we've talked on the podcast before how my kids are getting in, they have gotten into watching those films and stuff like that. The Miyazaki ones, yeah, yeah. The Miyazaki ones. And then she's like, I like that, and I also like anything that's like scary. And she was into like the thrillers and stuff like that. It's kind of fun to hear like somebody else's perspective, yeah. much much younger than us. Yeah, so like, what was what were some of these movies? Well, Final Destination. Some, no, I wish those are fun. Man, those are fun movies. Final Destination <laughs> one and two are the only ones I've seen. Oh, they're all fun except for the fourth one. Out of the five, just just avoid the fourth one. Yeah, uh, she likes a lot of like psychological thriller type stuff. I think more than uh, actual horror. Because I was like, oh, like like the, like the modern classics, like Babadook and all those kind of things. And she's like, ah, it's fine. And she's like, then uh, she went more into like the psychological thriller stuff. And I'm like, I said, I told her we watched Cyst. Yeah. And well, she didn't know what it was, but I referenced like what it was. And she's like, that's not really my thing. So I was trying to like just meet her. She's not her. into the, not into the gross out. So she's into like the ring. Yeah. Well, she likes Halloween, but like I, who. The Rob Zombie version, I bet. No. I did. Halloween. I, I did, never heard of it. I did ask her about that and she was not into Rob Zombie that much. She said she liked the first, what's the first one? The House of a Thousand House Corpses. Of Corpses. Yeah, I like that one too. I wish I, I like that movie. I don't like any of his other movies. <clears throat> yeah. Personally. Yeah. 
Evil Dead and stuff like that. I like House of a Thousand Corpses and uh, Devil's Rejects is okay. But so, uh, Devil's Rejects is is the definition of okay. <laughs> a lot of people love that one. I know. But, uh, yeah. I when I brought up though, and a movie I totally forgot about was um, the Evil Dead remake. Oh yeah, yeah man, that movie. That movie ruled. I watched it once. I liked it quite a bit. It was. It's a divisive one, but it's gross. Yeah, it's a lot of James. Actually, you'd James, like you'd, it. You'd quite enjoy that one. I think. It's oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of splatter. It's disgusting. <laughs> He's like, okay, you piqued my interest. Evil Dead remake. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just the Evil Dead, but they yeah they remade it. Um, it's, it's quite very, it's quite a bit different. From very the, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. very uncomfortable scenes. It's not comedic at all. No. Oh no, it's gross. Yeah. And not in a fun way, but yeah. No, anyway, I've I haven't had an opportunity to watch very much. Like like always, I'm watching my my uh, my basic bitch stuff like Ted Lasso and. You've been watching what we do in the shadows, new season. No, I'm. I have to binge it the whole thing. Oh man, I love it. It's. I can't get my wife, and she won't watch it. Like she will watch it, but she's not into it. Uh, I need to watch. Uh, I also need to get back into Reservoir Dogs. Uh, sorry, oh, Reservation Dogs. Reservation Dogs, yeah. Which I think is one of the funniest new shows I've ever watched. But, yeah. And I uh, I stand this uh, new Ted Lasso season. I don't give a fuck what people say about it. I think yeah. It's, I think it's great. I, thought, I, I think, think it's, it's fun pretty off. great. I'm a little worried about one thing that's happening on it. I hope it doesn't play out like the way they're kind of making it look like it will, but we'll see. Can you give me a clue? Uh, it's one of the relationship things. Yeah. Uh, one, the, hoping, one of the main relationships. I'm hoping that they go their separate way. Hmm. You hope the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. If we're talking about the same people, but well, I'll talk to you about it after the after oh, the record. Oh yeah, there's two. Uh, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, for, for me, let's see. I want to. I kind of want to do a, a, hit, a seek and destroy here, but um, hit and miss. I'm just having a hard time choosing which things to talk about. But sink or swim. I'll talk about uh, this movie Sensor first uh, from this year. This set in the 80s during the UK's uh, video nasty ban on horror movies and gore. So this is about a woman who works as a censor. She sits and watches all these like really gross horror movies and decides what needs to be cut and to make them watchable on the thing on, uh, you know, available to rent and stuff. Otherwise, because there was a lot of movies that were banned at that time. Mm-hmm. And she has also this weird backstory where her little sister disappeared when they were kids and she starts kind of um, looking into that more, but there's all this weird stuff going on with also her work and how it's tied. It somehow is tied together with this filmmaker and this movie that she has to watch. Um, And then this one movie that she passed it it comes out and this guy kills his family and he does it in a way that was like depicted in this movie. And then like everyone, the, the media and stuff are like, Oh, well, how did you let this movie be unsent, like not censored more than it was. And you know, you've, and so it's actually a really interesting kind of look at this time period and just kind of a fun backdrop for a horror movie, because it's like a thing that horror fans talk about a lot is the video nasty and the, the, all these movies that were really either, cut to hell or else not even allowed to be released um there's a scene where she goes to like a video store and she's like trying to get the guy to give her this under the shelf kind of stuff like the stuff he's got hidden because that was another thing that was happening was like stores would get a hold of like bootlegs and stuff and they'd rent them to people and so it's Wait, just is this a like a serious like drama 
It's a horror movie. Oh, it feels like a drama. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's dramatic elements to it, but it's uh, it is a horror movie, and it just gets it's more like she's getting into what happened to her sister, and then how it's connected to this this filmmaker and stuff. Isn't so. there a isn't there a film? Uh, there's a movie from the '70s, I think it is, uh, an American film about a uh, it's a big actor is in it, and his daughter gets into porn. Yeah, hardcore. Yeah, Paul, it's Paul Schrader movie. Paul yeah. Schrader film. Yeah, yeah. It feels like kind of like. Yeah, it's it's sort of similar to that in a way. Yeah, actually, that's a, a good connection. Thank you. Um, Great job, I didn't, John. I didn't think of it. Uh, uh, that's, yeah. one, that's one. That's uh, <laughs> one. One tally. That's one tally for me. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so it's called Sensor. It came out this year. Uh, I so thought it was pretty interesting. That's a seek. Yeah, I'd say that's a seek. Uh, yeah, so but for my destroy, I watched this slasher movie from the 80s called Sweet 16. It was just kind of filling in a slasher gap. Uh, trying to watch like pretty much every slasher movie ever made uh, eventually. But this one was real bad. Uh, set in a small California town, I think. This girl has just moved there um, named Melissa. And there's like a hilarious theme music that plays at various times in the movie. Where it's just like, Melissa... <laughs> Melissa (laughs) Uh, and she keeps she's like this girl who wants like attention and every time she keeps getting attention from different guys they like end up dead and it's uh, somebody's killing them and it's like is she the one doing it and somebody else right uh, it's really not very much of a slasher movie. It's almost more just like a murder mystery and kind of like just a weak one at that. But there are some fun people in the cast from other slasher movies from that era um, that kind of make it watchable despite how sort of boring it is. But I would definitely recommend not not hitting this one unless you, like me, are some kind of weirdo who feels like they need to see every slasher movie. <laughs> so avoid that one. Uh, that reminds me of when I was talking to this new co-worker, she doesn't have a very deep understanding of like 80s oh, yeah. horror films. So I was like rattling some off and uh, I was like, oh, you got to watch Reanimator. Right. Yeah. And she'd never even heard of Reanimator. These kids, these, these kids, fuck. <laughs> these kids. I'm telling you. Well, so she's got like a huge blind spot then. Uh, well, I mean, I think she's like 23 years old. Well, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, yeah I you, guess. I mean, I don't know. Lady. Half the shit you guys talk about. <laughs> oh, I don't know half the shit Dustin talks about. So it's true. You never heard of Sweet 16? <laughs> I thought it was a different movie, but. <laughs> I've seen, I've heard of my super Sweet 16. <laughs> Look at that. Lurid cover art, though. Yeah, I saw the cover oh, art. Oh, yeah. It's, uh... You gotta love so, it. So, does it take place in a body of water? No. <laughs> I think there's, that like, would be a, really funny if there's entire, a lake nearby. I was okay. gonna say, if the fucking whole movie took place in a lake. <laughs> like, the I entire mean, time we're swimming. Actually. Hey, where did Joey go? Brilliant. He was just swimming that's by That's actually me. funny. <laughs> yeah. If it was a horror movie that took place entirely on a lake with no, like, killer fish... Oh, but speaking of killer fish, now you just remind me. I gotta watch. I gotta rewatch Piranha, Piranha 3, 3D. Double D. Haven't wa- no, no, not Double D. The first one <laughs> with, uh, Paul, uh, with, with Paul. Shear. With Paul Shear. I haven't seen that in a long Piranha time. Piranha 3D. I remember we went and saw. Did we see yeah, the we theater? saw it in the theater. Yeah, that was it's a that's fun a fun fucking movie. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. It's quite funny, as I recall. Where were you, loser? Alberta. Alberta. <laughs> Alberta. Oh, hey, I live with you guys in Alberta. Shut up. That never happened. <laughs> I'd walk that out of my life. Yeah, of course you would. It takes place near water, but not, they don't go actually in the water. Speaking of water, often there's fog on the water. 
<laughs> we watched The Fog. Roll the trailer. John Carpenter's The Fog. This is KB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here. And let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're 100 years old today. And keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unknown came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unnatural came out of the fog. Now, it has returned. <laughs> 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something evil came out of the fog. Now, it has returned. Who's there? Antonio Bay has a curse on it. We're all cursed. So this week on the podcast, uh, we watched 1980s The Fog, directed by John Carpenter, uh, written by John Carp- Carpenter and Deborah Hill, starring uh, Adrian Barboa, Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee, John Houseman, uh, Tom At- uh, Atkins, John Can- It goes on. Hal Holbrook. Hal, yeah, it goes on and on and on. Uh, Hal Holbrook actually fucking rules in this movie. I think he's he's so good. He actually has my probably favorite scene. Uh, yeah. Like, he's my favorite jump scare. If I want, I don't know if it's actually technically a jump scare. We'll get to it. But he has my favorite uh, intro- introduction to a scene in the entire film. All right. So the fog, uh, an unearthly fog rolls into a small coastal town exactly 100 years after a ship mysteriously sank in its waters. This was my pick. Uh, I had never seen The Fog. I own it on VHS. It's one of those things that I just collected along my way of collecting VHSs, which I need to find something to do with them because I have no purpose for them. Well, you've got a VCR and the TV here. You could set up a nice VHS shelf and do some viewings. I have like I have like three or four hundred VHS films. <laughs> yeah. Well, get rid, books, get rid of these books. Get rid of these books. Get rid of these books. That's taking up space. I Who the fuck reads? I also have three to four hundred books, not just here, but like throughout my house. Look at all these. Room, look at all this room on this shelf here. There's, all you got on here is like Lysol wipes and Kleenex. Jerking off. <laughs> I'm just realizing that now. <laughs> Use a Lysol wipe, eh? Keeps things nice and spick and span. Makes me feel alive. I mean, the whole room would just be shelves, I guess. To fit all your books in. If I fit all my VHS. books, all my VHS, my DVDs and Blu-rays, my comics, my records. You should just sell it all. <laughs> just It all just sits in boxes. Let it go. You could, probably, you could probably sell the VHS or at least some of them like online if you, had, you started like an Etsy store or something like that. Which reminds me, I think I got my comic books here somewhere. Get them out of my house then. You have no room in your place for them. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm gonna start selling James. Start selling James stuff. stuff. But I should sell my stuff because it. I won't even read them. I offered to buy those comics. Yeah, yeah, you. I know. <laughs> I just have so much shit. I got, I got two fucking projectors sitting over there. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I got. I have records upstairs, like like vinyl records that I've purchased that I've never opened, and they've been sitting there for years. <laughs> that you've never opened. No. 
Vinyl's mm. dead, man. Well, because I listen, <laughs> I love these bands, and I listen to them like on Spotify and stuff like that. But I want to support them as well, so I buy their okay. records. Yeah. This isn't about me. This is about the fog. This is about the fog. <laughs> so this is a movie I'd never seen before. It's uh, it's a John Carpenter film. This podcast, if it's done nothing else, it's made me love John Carpenter. Uh, he's one of my absolute favorite filmmakers at this point. And it's a film I've never seen, and I, I really wanted to see it. Um, how did this get... Sorry, not how did this get made. Um, Blank Checks is doing... Uh, it's called They Podcast. It's the John Carpenter uh, series that they're doing. Right, yeah. And I listened to the episode of The Fog a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you did? Yeah, maybe a couple of months ago. I can't remember when it came out. Um, I was actually just listening to the... I think it's the latest episode of uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I was listening to that. Yeah, it's uh, they're trying to make it the longest episode oh. they've done because uh, Halloween is like really, really long. Uh, so Jason Manzukis and Paul Shear are on and they're like, we're going to make this the longest episode you've ever done. <laughs> and I'm really enjoying listening. I, I, first of all, I love Jason Manzukis and Paul Shear. Mm-hmm. So... Well, that sounds it's, good, so and I'm going to have to listen to that Win, now. win, win, win. See, I'm winning everywhere. I was listening to that today. And, uh, yeah, it, I, the, the, listening to the episode of The Fog made me think, I've never seen this film. I'd like to see it. And, yeah, now we're here. But I'm sure, James, have you seen it? Uh, no. Didn't think so. Uh, Dustin? Yes. You'd seen this before. When did you see it? Um... 13. Oh, I, I th- yeah, I saw it when I was a kid at some point. And then I... And I then was I, in utero. <laughs> no, I saw it when I was... I rented it when I was a kid at some point. And then I I watched it again maybe three, four, or five years ago, something like that. Um, and now this time watching it was definitely... It really solidified in my mind like what the movie is. And uh, I really appreciated it a lot this time. Uh, have what, you- what does Dennis think of this movie? It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Nihilistic bullshit. My dad, no, it's not. This is not one of his type of movies. Have oh. you seen the remake? I never watched the remake. Oh, okay. I wish you had seen the remake. I haven't seen it either. I just figured if anybody was going to waste their time doing it, it would have been you. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that would have been a safe bet, but it just happened to be one of those ones I haven't watched. Yeah. So this, uh, yeah, I was interested in watching it and I'm, I'm totally glad I, we did. I'm glad we watched this film. It's a pretty different flavor, you know, we, I think that's one thing I've really come to enjoy about John Carpenter and we've talked about a bunch of his movies now at this point on the show. Um, he doesn't really do the same movie twice in a row. Like even when he's doing horror, he's doing different kinds of horror stories. So like Halloween, he's, you know, he's helped solidify the slasher genre. The thing is a monster movie with all these big time effects in it yeah this is like a ghost story though this is like so it's like a classic sort of um tales from the crypt like comic book sort of spooky story it's not like a full-blown you know there's not really gore and stuff like that story james yeah i would say this is my probably least favorite so far so they actually went back and added more gore to the movie because there wasn't enough of it yeah Uh, they felt like it wasn't quite uh well it's like I don't know what number this is after Halloween. Uh, I think two TV uh, movies. He's got something, someone's watching me and Elvis. And then there's the fog. Yeah. So So this is his big, uh, next film. So like I, I watched some interviews with him and he seems to be very like, ah, whatever. Like I, I just, I do whatever I want. I don't care what anyone thinks. I, uh, 
you know, I'm not interested in remakes. He went on to this whole thing about remakes. His favorite yeah. remakes are ones where he just puts his hand out and gets paid. Which That's is, what he said. Which is why apparently he was happy to have this movie remade because it wasn't exactly, he, he wasn't happy with this film. Yeah. When it was, he, he wasn't happy with this film when it was released. He's like, because of the remakes, I wasn't really happy with it. So when it came around to a remake being done, Sorry, I think I messed those words mm, up. But wait, wait, sorry. When he, um, because of the reshoots and how unhappy he was when he first viewed the film after being complete, he wasn't really happy with it. And then when a remake opportunity came up, he was like, sure, fuck, go do whatever. Um, and I can see that. I can see why he wasn't really happy with this film. Um, well, it's like, so Halloween kind of set the whole slasher didn't it i mean there were slashers before there was, that but like but i think that's the movie where it sort of crystallized as in the culture where people were like this is a thing now right um, so like was he trying to get away from that with this i don't know i think he just like john was saying i think he kind of goes to the beat of his own drum and like you know you look over his filmography and it's you know assault on precinct 13 okay it's like a gritty action movie um, after this, you know, he does Escape from New York, and that's like this post-apocalyptic sort of like sci-fi action thing. And he, mm-hmm. and his, you know, his horror movies are all different from each other too. Like, you know, he did Halloween, and then he, him and Deborah Hill wrote and produced Halloween too, but they didn't. He didn't direct it because he didn't want to make another Halloween movie. Yeah. He already did that. He's also, yeah. I think, so then you got Big Trouble in Little China, right? That's totally yeah. different. I uh, think he's well. I now listening to Big Trouble in Little China, I have a lot of insight into. Because those guys go deep into like how it was made, why it was made. But I think he was like 31 when he made The Fog. Like he's mm. young. Yeah. Like he, and he's already made. He's in the movie too. First, uh, right near the opening, the priest oh, is he? Yeah, calls that guy into the room and sends him away after. Oh, that's him? That's John Carpenter, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's already made Halloween and Assault on Precinct 13 and Halloween. So like he's already completely kind of changed two genres of film yeah or at least put a serious stamp uh, on them but like again these are small movies like these are not um huge blockbusters right so but like halloween was super successful right it was and yeah, it was one of the most profitable films of the year so but it wasn't all it was also not an expensive movie and i think this movie was only like a, like a million dollars yeah at the it time. was yeah I'm, but that's like i don't under i guess it's hard for me to understand the process back then because now if you make a movie that's it's a huge hit a huge hit and you costs like check. nothing you get a blank check <laughs> just doing advertising yeah, for so a, a podcast that doesn't need any advertising from what i understand this movie cost a million dollars to make it cost another hundred thousand dollars to do reshoots because he was so unhappy with it so this is when they added more gore and they added the opening scene and uh, i mean gore i mean that's pretty relative like you've got the you get sort of a close-up of one of the rotting ghosts at one moment where you see some maggots yeah. crawling in the skin i think there's that I there's think, like some dead body stuff yeah it's it's well it's only a hundred thousand dollars yeah like, they, uh, sh- they shot that campfire scene that sort of opens the movie with uh john i think that's john houseman where he's yeah. telling the, the the kids the story about and i think that's a good as a piece of like table I think setting it's fantastic yeah i think it's a, i think that's like a brilliant addition to the film like it really mm. gets you ready for what's happening like a table sitting like you were saying um this movie was was that and then i think it was rumored to cost like just over three million dollars for 
um, Oh, all the promotional all the promotion. stuff, right? Because they put fog machines in some of the theaters when it was released and yeah, stuff so, like oh, that. Okay, which is a fun idea. Uh, and then it made over twenty, just over twenty-one million dollars. Right. So this is a this is a hit. Like, right. It was successful. Yeah. But it, uh, yeah, again, look, going back to this time, that that didn't mean that a studio was like, oh yeah, this guy did Halloween in the fog. Let's let him do whatever he wants. Kind well, of. Well, they did. I mean, they did. And that was sort the of. thing. And then the thing... The thing tanked. Tanked. It didn't and just tank. undeservedly it, so. It, yeah, like everyone hated the thing. But this is what I think you're going to see throughout his career is that like movies like The Fog, now there's retrospectives about how actually right. it's, now a, it's kind of classic. Them, right? um, the Thing. I mean, it's it, one of the most celebrated horror films like... Yeah, of all at, time. Of all time at this point. But at the time, yeah. Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China, which I'm listening to Blank Check about, like... Not really a hit. Fucking f- complete failure. Mm-hmm. Like, complete failure. Christine? Uh, I'm not Chris- sure how Chris- Christine must have done, at least yeah, recently, so right? Apparently, Christine and Starman were... Oh, yeah. I Starman, yeah. Were his... Another, were, another were movie good. totally outside the field of what he normally did. It was like a romantic drama about an alien on I Earth and this wo- widowed woman who meets up with him. Yeah, I think Starman... No, Chris, I think Christine got award nominations. But pretty much he's... he Yeah, he but he beats to his own drum, if you want to say that. But he, he keeps getting, like, not blacklisted, but, like, benched. Like, because he keeps, like, he well, makes he a hit, makes, and then he fucking just does his own thing. Yeah, he does his own thing, and then it doesn't always pan, pan out in terms of an audience coming to see it. Now we look at it, we look at Big Trouble in Little China, and we go, that's an all-time fucking banger. It's on our top ten of our list, oh, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, it's so much fun. But nobody give a shit at the time, really, right? No, people yeah. actually really hated it. Yeah, and the thing, like we talked about. Um, so... A sort of strange career, but you know, when you look back now at these this string of movies, especially when he was working with Deborah Hill, um, and she co-wrote, I think, like four of his movies and produced most of was them. Was he married to her? They were married for a while, yeah. But he was. Um, so speaking of marriage, um, uh, is it Adrian Barbeau? Adrian Barbeau. Yeah. yeah, that's this is the first movie she's in, and this is his wife. Are they married now? No, this was at the time. Oh, at the time. And then she got together? Then he got together with Deborah Hill? I'm confused about the well, timeline he, on that. he was romantically involved with Adrian. Yeah, because she also is in Escape from New York, right? Yeah, so he's romantically involved with her in this movie, but I, that's all I know. Yeah, at some point they break up and he, him and Deborah Hill actually start uh, a relationship. But anyway, as, a, as terms of a filmmaking partnership, like they did so many bangers in a row together. And so I, I think she needs some credit as well because absolutely she does. But this is another case. She of, was editing these things, helping edit well, these things, produce. That's what dr- I find interesting. Like, so we do give a lot of credit to Carpenter, but well, we love the idea of the the solitary auteur filmmaker and, and like his genius vision, right? But the truth is, like, movie making is a fucking endeavor that involves a whole bunch of people working together to create something and create you know end up with this product and, yeah um the director is like the person that gets the credit and the blame if it goes right and if it goes wrong right so, um but yeah but we're seeing this I, I not to belabor the point but we're seeing this completely um played out in other filmmakers careers like i'm christopher nolan's wife i believe is his editor yeah um we got uh james cameron 
Cameron, I mean, right? Uh, Chris uh, with, with Bigelow. With, yeah, I worked with Catherine with, Bigelow for quite a while with, on then, his movies. But and, then also, um, uh, actress from Terminator. Like he's like uh, Linda Hamilton. Yeah, there's always these women, these partners, these people who are in the in the back that are bringing so much. Right? Yeah, and I think Deborah Hill is one of those a great example of somebody who was you know very involved with these movies turning out as well as they did. But yeah, so like I know this this one isn't maybe your your kind of tone, James. Like something that you are attracted to, really. Ghost like ghost stories are not really my a big thing for me either in horror. Yeah, but this one is just so fucking atmospheric. Like that fog when it starts rolling in and his score is on. Like I I literally am getting chills and. The, the type of story that he's trying to evoke, like this these pirate fucking ghosts, it's a spooky story, you know? It's not meant to be like a balls to the wall, like people getting chopped up and <laughs> stabbed and all this kind of shit. Yeah, I guess I just went in expecting one thing and then... Right, and it was a very different thing. I mean, because not... Like, these pirates or i don't know if they're even well, they're, not to, they're not pirates they're not pirates they're like they're yeah they're they're a leper colony okay so i would think you would see more of them like well i think that's the fun though right is that you I know o- but you like at the, at the end all you get is like some glowing eyes that might like, be a budget limitation I, it probably was but I, I think it works to the movie's benefit i i, I think it's really fun i so I think that the one of the big problems for for this film is that I don't feel like it follows any kind of logic because I was when I was watching it I was like fuck okay, your so logic do they have to <laughs> do they do they have to knock to get in no but they seem to have to they always bang on the door <laughs> they bang on the door I guess because it's Lure you more are. it's more like suspenseful it's more like right. intense but, gonna, oh is he gonna open the door yeah but like, they don't attack like. Um, Barbaro's son until the door is opened. Do you know what I mean? Until they're in the house. The old lady opens the door. She gets but, like, dragged for, out into the then, fog. But then for Barbaro, like they... Barbo. Yeah. Barbo, sorry. I needed to look up her actual name. This is, that was insulting. Um, Stevie Wayne. Um, for, for Stevie, it's just like they can just come in. Yeah, I don't the think they have is, to knock. I think they... Maybe it would be like... They're trying to lure somebody out or something. I like also that. don't understand like the fact that like are they killing everybody and then are they killing only six people? Well, they're trying to kill the six. They're trying to kill the six like but descendants. They'll of, kill everyone. But like, there's no. <laughs> they'll kill who's ever in their yeah. way. <laughs> they're not tying that, but they don't kill everyone. Who's no, in they their don't. Way. They yeah. only kill six. I honestly. Do they even end up killing the full six? Like, I'm yeah, no. they co- do, they, they, yeah. just do a quick count. They kill two guys on the boat at the beginning. Three guys on the boat. Is it three? I thought it was two. Three yeah, guys. but how are you supposed to connect that they are the ancestors? You can't. There's three guys. Well, on it kind of gets filled in later a bit. There's three guys weak. on the boat. There's three guys drinking on the boat. Yeah, there's they three. kill two on the deck and they kill two under. Well, there's three. Mm-hmm. Two on the two, two on the deck. Yeah, and one under. And one under. Right. Okay. okay. So there's three. Don't they kill the guy in the grocery store? Mm, they kill the guy at the radio weather station thing. That's okay, four. They kill the. Old, I imagine they killed the old lady who was yeah. watching. Okay, okay but that's Stevie's five. Kid, and then they kill and then the they, priest, and then they kill Hell Holbrook at the end. Spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler so alert! Spoiler for this, you know, forty-year-old movie. So I think they're knocking on the door because they're holding, you know, their hooks and shit. They just can't put that shit down. 
they have to <laughs> keep it in their hands. But the question is, is if they had to just kill the six to begin with, would they have just gone? The problem is they run. And they, you know, fog, it moves very slow, John. <laughs> Not in this movie. Not in this fucking film. <laughs> well, it's true, but the fog has to roll in and then they and then appear. Then they appear, right? Yeah. They can't just walk ahead of that that fog. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> be fun. Um, I do like kind of some of the ways that the movie is set up in a sense. Like it's like an ensemble piece, really, because there's no one main character here. You got Adrian Barbeau off on her own, really, for most of the movie, yeah. doing her own thing and doing her radio show from the lighthouse. See, I like all that. Yeah. I like all that aspect. I love the lighthouse stuff. Uh, it almost feels like it's two different movies. Well, they're running at the same time, right? Like she's doing that and she's kind of, she's like the lookout. She's like letting them know what's happening, where things stand. Um, and then the other groups of characters kind of get together over the course of the movie. So you got Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, and she's a hitchhiker who Tom Atkins picks up. Tom Atkins, of course, horror movie royalty. He's the cop from night of the creeps. Right. It's a Halloween three season of the witch. Um, and then I think this is his first movie. Is it really his first movie? I think so. I think he was friends with Adrian Barbeau. Okay. Nice. Um, So, yeah, but he becomes a fixture, horror fixture over the years. And so he picks her up and they're kind of together for a while. And then we're also following Janet Lee. She's, uh, is she the mayor or is she just like a councilwoman? She's a councilwoman. Okay. So Janet Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Uh, Janet Lee is, of course, the like original scream queen from Psycho. Yeah, I think she's the secretary of like the anniversary party or something. Like right, because they're organizing this like town centennial yeah. celebration. And her husband dies on the. She, he's the one of the guys on the attack. boat. Right. I think he's the one who says uh, how like he wants to fuck uh, Stevie Wynn. Oh right. And he's like, I love. Yeah, I thought you loved your wife. He's like, I don't love her that much. Right. <laughs> Everyone's listening to Stevie all the time. I heard smooth jazz. Show. Smooth jazz. <laughs> Which apparently they did jazz because rock and roll was uh, yeah, too, too expensive. expensive. Right. Something that bugged me, and I don't know if this is true, but it, the this is a stupid aside, but the radio station only had three letters. Is that a thing? I thought radio stations had to have four letters. Yeah, well, but I think is she supposed to be kind of like a small time a like pirate radio pirate radio or just like a local thing i don't know well, but. but she gets updates from the coast guard and from the, like the weather, weather people yeah, yeah. But that guy charles cyphers he's like yeah he's, he wants to slide in but he's another one who wants to meet this great voice on the radio i guess the question is like this is a radio station how far does this radio station broadcast I can't imagine that far but she's like what she's just outside of town right um, but it probably goes pretty far over the water so there's some people on the boat being like, what the fuck? <laughs> Stay away from the fog? Yeah, well, she warns them at the end of the movie, right? Like, if you're out there, this could happen again. That was I mean, it's that- interesting because, like, yeah, she's, like, losing it on the radio. Like, okay, the fog's going down this street. Yeah, you know, head, can see head to there. the church. And, that, and this is where we get into the messy parts where, like, it seems at certain points everyone is listening to the radio so they can like well they're in the con- car con- well no but earlier they can if anybody's near the sheriff go tell the sheriff right right and then they tell the sheriff and there's parts later on that are like a little bit sloppy where it's like don't do this and don't do that and they're not they're not showing any reaction shots to just like random people that are like what is going on 
right? Which would have been kind of cool if they had showed people like closing up their houses, like almost like a hurricane was coming or something like right, that. Yeah, yeah. Which I think would have made more sense. But I, I mean, this is nitpicky stuff. I mean, would- I, I mean, the thing is, it's only ninety minutes, right? So. I think what he accomplishes in 90 minutes is remarkable, but I do think if it had a little bit more room to breathe, if we, I like, I would have loved to have spent more time with Jamie Lee Curtis's character, particularly, I feel like because it's an ensemble, we don't get to spend much time with any one person yeah. and, and get a real handle on them. And so, except for maybe Adrian Barbeau's character. And so I think, yeah, there's some things you could do to sort of, flesh it out just a bit to to make it feel a bit more well-rounded but in 90 minutes like you and you consider what he accomplishes it's pretty it's pretty amazing it is really good um i think we should get into the plot of the film but one last thing i want to say and then you guys can say whatever you want also i'm not just trying to cut it off but i think it would have been it'd be cool to see a uh a a prequel to this movie of the trip that she had that's the trip that um uh, Elizabeth Soley, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, has up because she's oh, like yeah. weird things happen to me. Oh yeah, there's that good interaction with them when she gets into Atkins' truck. Yeah, I think that would that would be really cool to be like, was there, is the what what happened between right. her leaving Pasadena and coming well, up? Like, was there like actually? weird stuff that happened so she's just looking to hook up with weirdos <laughs> well because she asks him like are you weird and he's like uh yeah i'm weird and she's like oh thank god because the last people are real boring <laughs> whatever <laughs> well the guy wants to marry her <laughs> right yeah um but also that's kind of an interesting thing because she did a movie called road games uh, around this time where she was a hitchhiker in that movie too although that was set in australia um, and that's kind of a Hitchcockian thriller type movie, but yeah. So Jamie Lee, at this point, she's like becoming the. I mean, this is when she's still getting established as, but like she's becoming the scream queen of all scream queens. Like at this what? time, she did Halloween, Halloween Two, The Fog, Prom Night, Terror Train, like all these. I mean, how did she break out of that? Like it took, yeah, it took some work. I think, uh, she did a small role in like trading places with Eddie Murphy. I think that might've helped her like John Carpenter, right? You like he, they kind of see him as a horror guy. Right. Right. Or at least a a kind of indie guy. So like, wouldn't it be the same for these actors and actresses? Yeah. I think she, I think it was like, she's just a bit of an effort for her to to break out. Yeah. And I think she is a good actress. She is. Adrian Adrian Barbeau is a good actress as well. I mean, all these actors in here are great actors, but you do get sort of stigmatized, right? And you're like, well, you're, you do these kind of movies that's, that's where you belong sort of thing. But she's also just, I mean, she's fucking Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, now she is. (laughs) But even, but she's just, you can tell that she's something like she's got something. She's like, she's not just beautiful. She's like magnetic and like she has a personality right. and it, you want to watch her on you the want to watch her on the screen like Freaky it's friday it, it's not surprising <laughs> i don't think it's surprising that like if you watch if you watch her in halloween okay so to go back uh like halloween being her first real movie role mm-hmm. you can tell that she's separated from the other what, what we talk about like the 80s like late 70s like slasher films yeah. She, she separates herself. She's right, because like Johnny... all, all these movies, or most of these movies anyway, have a final girl. But she's just obviously one of the most memorable of all time, and that's borne out by 
you know, what we see through the history of, I mean, and now she's still doing these Halloween movies now, but in, in a fun, like, she's the toughest, you know, bitch that ever went up against Michael Myers. I love the uh, fact that she's come back for the new Halloween. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm glad you skipped the Rob Zombie Halloween. Yeah, yeah, that was a good But good I also call. feel like she seems to be kind of, um, I think that she seems to be kind of uh, aligned with, with, with John Carpenter. And being like, no, like I'm pretty loyal to this guy. Like well, sure. he's done a lot. He helped helped her, you know, break in, right? So, I mean, and it didn't. I mean, I'm sure it didn't hurt that her daughter, her mother was Janet Lee, but no uh, shit. <laughs> because I mean, that's probably a big part of why she got the first Halloween role in the first place, right? Was like her but, mom was the original fucking scream queen. So. Yeah, but there are a lot of actresses, an actress, sorry, who their parents are famous and they don't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But she, you have to have, you still have to have, she still has it. Something, right. Yeah. Um, we have not talked about anything that happens in this movie yet. Well, I mean, I don't know that we need to break down every, everything that happens. You, you, we find out about this sort of curse on this town when this priest, a this drunken priest who I, I want to get a little bit into Hal Holbrook's character because he's already like sort of like this melancholic, drunk right at the beginning of the movie. I yeah. think this is him in real life. <laughs> Maybe. But I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, we don't get a lot of backstory on any of the characters because there isn't time for it. But I, it was just like, I was thinking like, oh, is this guy, I, I get the sense that he was already kind of like suicidal or something. Because once he finds out about the curse, he's like very gloom and doom. Like, oh, we're all like fucked. Like, we're not going to be able to do anything. Whereas like the other people that he's telling about you know, he finds this ancient writing in the wall hidden by his grandfather who was involved with, they lured these lepers in their ship to crash so that they could get the gold from there. Yeah. Um, and so he, and he's just like, Oh yeah, we're, you know, it's, we're not going to be able to do anything. We're but all done to why, die. Like, so reading this journal, he just instantly is like, yeah, this is fucking true. This is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. he does. Well, because spooky things start happening, right? It's like midnight, uh, between midnight and one, it's the witching hour. And then he, when he reads, as soon as he reads this manuscript, then all these like sort of weird, um, physical manifestations start happening in the town. You know, uh, what's weird when like all this stuff was happening, I instantly thought it's like maximum overdrive, like just weird <laughs> shit happening. Cause right. it's not, it's not these. Uh, this like leopard colony coming in like actual creatures or anything. It's just like weird shit is going on. Yeah. It's like uh, the clock breaks and like uh, some shit falls off a shelf or like that kind of typical sort of ghosty stuff. But all that stuff only happens for one hour. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of like it's kicked off by that. So is it supposed to be, I guess, that it starts because he read it and became no. aware of it? No, it was happening. It was re- just going to happen anyway. It was going to happen anyways. But, okay, so that happens the f- one day, but then the next day? During I, I the day, I, yeah, and that's why I'm saying it It kind of falls apart. Like, it doesn't fall apart, but it's not... I think you have to look at it like, it, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a throwback to these campy old, old, like, horror comics mm-hmm. where... It's not necessarily going to be like, oh, well, this is how all these things work and why it's happening. It's like, here's the basic idea. There's these ghosts. They're pissed off because they were murdered, essentially. 
uh, and now they're coming to get revenge on the town. Yeah, no, I and I get that. I don't need to know like the whole backstory and thought pattern. But, but I did like- think watching it, like, okay, this happens for an hour. I thought it only they're gonna come back from midnight to one, and they're gonna you know get their revenge. So, I but agree. Then that's over. I'm kind of confused. Yeah, it was just like some kicking off point or something. Okay. I think this is a huge problem I have in films too, where I feel like films aren't following their own logic. And there's no logic set up in this film. Like the audience is never knows what the rules are. And I feel like if you don't define the rules, you kind of lose me a little bit. I don't know if you feel the same way, James. Yeah, I mean, I think the beginning where, you know, he's telling the story, that's trying to set up, this is what the rule is, this is what's going to happen. Six, he's, they got to get, they got to kill six people and they got to get their gold. Yeah, back. there are there are that's, some that's, little things stated explicitly, but yeah, I mean, it's not super clear about everything. I don't think they even talk about that there are six people at the beginning like when he's reading the original thing if they had just had the original text mm. when the book he finds being like the six of us right that would have helped yeah because yeah. like, later she like, has that board that her son from the ship that yeah. washes up and if, then it says six must die on it like it changes oh, i didn't even see that i didn't even see that oh either. yeah yeah so it said dane on it because it was part of the ship yeah and then it fills up with water and it's like making her equipment short out right and then it like changes so that it says Six must die. Oh, I never yeah. even saw that. So if like if I had a known, like if he had a read that, like whatever the six of us did this, the family names are these and like like blah blah blah, mm-hmm. then I think that would have made more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. So I I, that. I, there's definitely things that you could, you know, sharpen up in terms of the storytelling, I think. So something I I'd like to talk about is something I'm also gonna steal from uh Blank Check, which is um how this film they're talking about this film and horror movies and how films are shot on digital versus uh, film nowadays mm-hmm. for the most part and how this film benefits from shooting on film because of the black is black. Like oh, yeah. it, 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 it's like the, the dark, the darkness is dark. Mm-hmm. And we had that in the back of my mind, remembering that because of how vivid the blacks are in this film yeah. and how much Carpenter uses that darkness to like yeah to yeah is a bit like to to, to, to great what's effects. coming out of the what's going to come out of the dark yeah right? which has one of the greatest to me jump scares in the movie when the priest just like appears <laughs> yeah he just kind of like appears up from behind that i re- I, re- I i rewound it multiple times <laughs> to rewatch which one which part uh, it's when I think it's when Janet Lee and her assistant go to the church and they're like walking around and then suddenly he sort of like lurches up out of the, the dark. Behind oh, her. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched it multiple times to figure out exactly what happens there. Like, does he creep out? Does he pop up? Like it was it was rad. <laughs> yeah. There's and there's a couple of little things like that in the movie, too. And then, but, but then once you get into the actual like once the ghosts are coming, um, I mean, I just love all that stuff, like the feeling of it. And with this score, this might be my second favorite of his scores. It's really good. Like the main theme is so fucking good. But that that music coupled with those images just like... It gets it just gives me the goosebumps. Like it's just the goose flesh. The goose flesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't know. It just really works on me. And so uh, w- once you see those, you're, you're, I know you're, you weren't big on the fact that you couldn't see the details of these monsters. Well, but like, uh, there's just I like little do, glimpses of them. I do stuff, like rotting flesh. And I like all the, I like all the fog stuff. <laughs> I like the fog. I like the music. I, you know, I definitely get that sp- spooky, scary, mm. you know, you don't know what's going on. Like there's this, entity you know even when they're driving down the street like the fog comes and then they have to turn to like get around the fog like i Mm. like that gotta back out and escape because the the pirates are coming i mean i love those images of like just seeing the dark sort of silhouettes standing there in the fog and you're like what are they like what do they look like you don't know exactly but i guess i want to see them right like so it's fine at like i for me it's like at the beginning, yeah, you don't know what it is, but like I want a full on reveal. Yeah. Uh, I want to see. So I think there's certain movies where that I do. I do want that. I feel like this movie, it's more beneficial that you don't fully see them because it's more of a scary idea of like not totally knowing what they are and they're coming out of the dark they're coming out of the fog right and i'm just seeing little you see you see some skeletal hands you see some mottled rotting sort of you know uh flesh with like algae or or whatever and seaweed and stuff but But, so like the thing you go from yeah full full blown you don't see anything Mm -hmm. you don't even know what this is or that there's even a thing to now there's this fucking creature and you see like full out. Yeah. And I mean, that's the fun of that movie, right? Yeah. But like we're talking about with Carpenter doesn't really do the same thing over and over. He's doing a different kind of thing here. I know. Damn you, <laughs> Carpenter. Stop reinventing yourself. <laughs> who, who do you think you are? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. He just, he's going for a very specific type of thing here. And I think at least in terms of the way it, the tone and the feel of the movie, maybe not in all the details, the rules, all those kind of things. But in terms of the feeling it creates, I think he's pretty successful. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I would say my favorite parts would be the, when they're in the morgue or they're examining the body Yeah, and then the body gets up and starts slowly walking. Right. Uh, Yeah. She's Jamie Lee's in there by herself for a minute. So, so I feel like that is like a completely different movie almost. Because, I mean, one, it takes place in a hospital. There's no fog around. Right, there's like, lights on and stuff. There's lights on. Um, anytime there's any kind of creature or anything, there's fog. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, completely out of nowhere. So I like that, and then I like probably the top of the lighthouse. Yeah, the top of the lighthouse, that's a fun scene. That's a fun the, scene. At the end, Adrian Barbeau has got to escape the yeah. the ghost, and so she's up climbed up to the very roof, and they're still coming up after her with their swords and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how that uh, one go- ghoul got up there. There's only, <laughs> there's only one way up. There's only one like he used the fog. Did the, did the ghoul just <laughs> <It> lifted him <laughs> up. Maybe he climbed up something on the side of the fucking thing. I don't know. You're really thinking about this. Yes, of course. <laughs> because the, maybe this is a problem, but the movie falls between two logics. Like, are they ghouls who can just do whatever they want, or are they like they they can't just walk through a wall? Mm-hmm. So like I, that's why they one of them uses the the ladder. So right. that's where my my. When when things don't 
I'm sorry. I wouldn't. It's just the way my brain works. So like when things don't make sense, like it just like makes me be like, okay, but how did that ghoul get up there? Well, (laughs) it's interesting because it's like the fog is the cover, but they have to still go through windows and doors and all. It was just like such a funny concept to me because then I'm like, okay, so like what else do they have to do? Like they have to like walk around and like do they get tired and well so. Can they like so when they kill those guys on the boat, they they, they arrive on another ship, right? Because they can't just appear. Yeah, exactly. Out of the wa- out of the water, they have to arrive on a ship so to get to their are, boat. They are born by the fog. The fog like carries them. In but that town. makes me feel like they're physical things, which means like now this now now you're a ghoul. Okay, so now you're like okay. Mm-hmm. I'm a ghoul. I'm okay. a ghoul. I gotta go kill. <laughs> I'm a ghoul. I gotta go kill this guy. Ugh. I gotta climb over this thing. All right. Well, I hope he's not like hiding somewhere because I don't want to look for him. Like, like you know what I mean? Like that's where my brain goes automatically. Because like there's, uh, I don't. Sorry. No, no. I mean, hey, that's so. That's why I'm that's like, why it. does the one dude have to climb up? The one ghoul have to climb up the well, ladder? Maybe he doesn't have to. He's just doing it because it's there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's following her, but the other ghoul is like, I'll I'm going to check the, the roof. Here. I'm going to check the roof. The, hey, you got the basement? Like, I'm checking like, the roof. He's like, we can surround her. You go up yeah, the ladder. I'll, like, I'll come up on this but side. But like the fact that like you, that, like, Strategic you, you ghouls. even say something like, <laughs> Strategic the ghoul ghoulery. is like, all right, I'm going to go, give me a sec. I'm going to go check the roof. Yeah, just like real I'm going to check the roof. All right, you guys, you guys. Mark, watch his six. Watch, watch Steve's six. six. I'm I'm gonna just gonna go quickly. I'm just gonna leap onto the roof. If you guys give me get a surround on this lighthouse. Give me a sit rep. Yeah, <laughs> but it's even like um, when that babysitter gets gets got <laughs> when she opens gets fogged <laughs> gets fogged when she opens the door and then the one ghoul is coming in and like hacking through the the door they escape through the window well wh- where's the ghoul going, going around, around the back side for that so for <laughs> that's that. why when they get to the lighthouse they're like hey remember earlier we let them escape because they got it we didn't no one was around the back of the house guys so while i'm going up this ladder you got to come up the back of the lighthouse <laughs> so they're learning so, so for that it was the fact that there's no fog on that side of the house yet yeah yeah i think and that's, that's, that's how so that's the same reason that when um, Jamie Lee Curtis is like trying to get out of that ditch, because like or the whatever the rut, because mm. her the truck the truck is stuck. Yeah. She puts it in reverse and she can drive and get away because she's driving away from the fog the instead of into out of the fog. Okay, yeah. so so this is the logic of the movie, but the guy in the hospital, there's no fog. Yeah. Right. That that's what I totally, I, I'm like. I totally, but he's not he's not a ghoul. He's he's a victim. He's so dead. where's the babysitter? Exactly. No. Hey, James, I'm with you. Where's the babysitter? She's, she's wandering in the in the mist somewhere. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. James They'll find is, her body later. Now that the fog is gone, just yeah. laying on the yeah. beach or something. These are the questions that I need answers to, and this is the problem. Whatever. I don't want to talk. Man, about this I, I gotta say though, like, uh, you know, that's the way you think about it. That's what you think about it. And what you know, what are you gonna do? But. I'm really glad that's not the way I think about it. I feel like it would well, ruin so many things for no, me. No, I, I like to talk about these things because it's like, oh, well, like, here's a hole, here's a hole, here's a hole. But like, sure, there's uh, there's there's um, tons of holes. So. It doesn't mean I can't enjoy it, the movie. Yeah, there's, I, I there's think a, especially with this kind of movie, to me at least, it's more about the atmosphere, the feeling. Yeah, yeah, and I creates. get that. It's not so much about like 
what are the logistics of how the ghouls do things? Like, okay, I don't so, care. We've like, talked about this a million times. I feel like I brought this up. It's that the movie gives me a gap to think about it. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like You got to mind the gap. <laughs> I want to talk about our favorite kills in this movie. <laughs> What's our favorite? We're, I feel like we're, we're going too much into like a little minutia. That's like the way my brain works. And that's not interesting to anybody. But do we have a favorite kill in the film? I don't know. It's not It's not a movie that's really focused on kills particularly. Favorite scene. Favorite scene. Yeah, sure. That's better. Favorite scene, I think, has to be the lighthouse uh, top. Although, you know, like you talked about earlier with Hal Holbrook, when he's got the gold cross and it's glowing and the pirate is, or whatever they want you want to call them, the ghost ghoul, whatever the fuck it is, is like taking it from him and his eyes are glowing red. Um, that's just pretty fucking great imagery. I don't know. Uh so those are both kind of happening simultaneously. The What's supposed to be happening there when he's like touching the gold? It's like he's getting, they're getting the gold back. Yeah, it was stolen from them, so, made into this cross. And so now they're going to be gone except for at the last clip. He's got to come back, finish his business. Yeah, it just makes sense. And then now, now they're good. Well, it, doesn't it doesn't make sense, but on. it's it's a classic horror trope, right? To have right. like, oh, the horror is over. Everyone, it's they're dead, or we we finished it. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, one more uh, surprise. Even the hunter's blood had the the meat truck or the meat uh, train, right? Right. There's always that, like a little. No, you can't. Little, compa- you can't compare those two. Well, they're not. They're not similar in terms no. of what happens on screen, but they're the same idea of, oh, one th- last thing to leave you with at it, the end of the horror movie. Like it's true, and I'm not trying to shit in this movie, but the Hunter's Blood one was way better because <laughs> that was set up in Act One. You didn't like the guy coming to chop Hal Holbrook's head off. I liked it, but I'm saying that the <laughs> that they set up in Act One. Um, mm-hmm. the the train in act at the end of act right, three right right like so although the mem- maybe that one was too subtle Travis was saying he didn't even catch that one until his like 100th viewing or something well he's Travis, asleep he's asleep yeah, by he's, the time it happens yeah. yeah yeah he was a kid when he watched it the first time and right. then he now he's fallen he's fallen into <laughs> fucking Freddy territory by the time he gets to the, <laughs> the miss, end of the he's movie he's missing that surprise because I that stood it right away to me I was like oh fuck yeah that's, that's, I mean I noticed it as well you got me um don't try to jump on the train because but, James and I noticed it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I like the ending. It's fun. It's, you know, I, Hell Holbrook seems like he wanted to die anyway. Like, oh, he totally wanted to die. He totally to die. wanted to die. He, absolutely. He wanted to die from the from beginning. From the beginning. Before I mean, the kid's like, don't, don't go out there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, just shut up. I'm <laughs> going out mouth. there. <laughs> shut your fucking horn mouth, kid. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so for me. Uh, the, the ways that it falls down, I, I don't care so much about those logistical things, but I, I do think it would have been a better movie if we had more time to spend with these characters, get to know them a little better before we put them in this peril. Uh, or or somehow you learn more about them while they're in peril, because it, once the stuff starts rolling, it's very much focused on, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I keep going back to the, the guy in the hospital. I feel like... I get why as soon as they came in, it, it like, I don't know, died or whatever it did. It just fell to the ground. But I kind of would have liked there to be some kind of struggle there. What was he, what did he mm. draw on the ground? He drew something on the ground? Yeah. yeah uh, there was like a, like, it looked like a whale tail or something. I don't know. Oh, what, I missed that. Like a three or something. 
It was like, was it not? Was it blue? It was like, I don't know. Hold on. Ah, good call. Ah, god damn it. Okay, so good we call. just rewatched the scene, and in the hospital, the dead guy scrawls a number three into the into the ground. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Just that, to, to to say that he is the third, or of that the, there's out of the three six. more, or there's three more, could be that. Either way, um, but yeah, good good catch, John. Uh, what I'm just saying, good catch. Yeah, that's what happens when I, I watch things sober. I, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I guess he's giving some indication of like what's going on. Like there's the six that have to die, only three left, or so else he's the third one. He or, just wanted to tell her that. He's trying to. Like, he wasn't going to try and kill. He wasn't going to try to kill her. <laughs> yeah, but that's what's so fun about it because you think it's reverse. You think he's going to try to stab. Right. Her. He's doing some zombie but stuff. He, yeah. Uh, so if I had a favorite, I, I I like all of the stuff that happens uh, in that witching hour at the beginning. Yeah. I like all that uh, glass cracking and car uh, alarms. Carl, I like all that shit. Like all that stuff it sets the tone. I find that stuff to be really, really, um, really great. Um, there is that, and then there's the one where you see the, the reveal where you see like not just uh, he's at the very end, um, where you don't just see like the the glowing eyes, but you see a little bit more like the worms and the green, whatever. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a good little moment too because you do get at least some sort of uh, effect shot stuff there, like practical funness yeah. and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's a fun movie. I think it's. I think it's really good. I, I, th- I think you got to kind of watch this movie. I mean, if you're a Carpenter fan, you definitely have to watch it. If you're a fan of, uh, of just the progression of horror films. Yeah, and I'd say you know, like go in with the expectation that this isn't like this isn't a gory one. It's not a slasher. It's like it's like an old timey spooky ghost story. It's not a full balls to the wall kind of. I honestly feel like John Carpenter movies. You need to go with the first one like you need to go in order yeah yeah because See the it, trajectory because if you go and you watch the thing or you watch big trouble in little china and then you go backwards you maybe don't get the same the same effect yeah. effect yeah, i could see that or if you just sort of like go in aware knowing that carpenter switches it up like he's not gonna be trying to deliver the same sort of movie every time and i mean christine is another one that's you know it's, I'd say, more on the wavelength of this movie than some of the other ones we've talked about. But, man, that's a fun movie, too, that we'll have to get to eventually. But, man, just, just the score alone is is worth fucking yeah. watching this. Yeah, I would say that nothing makes me want to watch more John, John Carpenter films than just straight up watching John Carpenter films. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a, it's, he's a director and a writer that just pr- always is projecting me forward to want to watch more of his stuff which is that's not the same for everybody like yeah i mean unfortunately sadly we we do hit a wall eventually where you know the last few three or four movies he made were not as nearly as good as his first bunch of movies but he's also i i'm guessing at a certain point where this is before his renaissance like i think that he's in a renaissance now for the last maybe well, and now years. his and now he's so celebrated. His influence yeah. is we that, see it everywhere from Stranger Things to yeah. all the synthwave music that's become so popular now. All I, this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's. So. I think that's what I meant. What I meant is just that like he, people are now looking back and seeing how amazing he is. He's also a colossal asshole. Like, <laughs> well, I, as I we as I, we see a lot of these uh, artist, filmmaker, director people, yeah, and seem I'm not, to be. I'm not saying that he's an asshole, like as in like he's ever done anything wrong to anybody. He's just a 
he's just a total prick who has a sing a singular vision and is not willing to yeah. kind of and and that I have no he's not hurting anybody from what I understand like he he just has this thing and I'm from what I under, like from what I read about him he is completely happy to just play video games and hang out with his kids still putting out dope music uh, I just listened to the whole thing of his lost themes volume three the other day and it's fucking awesome all the way through um, so check those out if you haven't for some reason uh, as well but yeah do are we gonna re- I don't think this goes on the list right this is not an action film absolutely not. do we want well, to say John want to say what it. that's true no, it, is John, it doesn't go on, it doesn't go on the list but I think you should get it to do um, I gave it overall a seven this is a great fucking movie you should watch it if you want to understand, uh, I think John Carpenter is just like, if you want to understand where horror movies kind of were and where they're, go- where, where they, why they came to where they are now, like if you, that whole journey, he's, you have to watch all of his films, watch every John Carpenter film. Uh, he's, well, up he's to, a genius. up to and including in the mouth of madness. And then you can probably stop after that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, my reaction was an eight and my overall score ended up being a seven. James, what did you have there? Um, so my reaction, I mean, I don't think I need to give the overall score because right, it's not going to go on the board. Action wise, but uh, my reaction's a six. I didn't like it as much as you guys, but I think it's just one. This is so far my least favorite John Carpenter movie. Right. Um, but. I wonder if it's one too though. Like now, knowing what it is, if you watched it again in two or three years, you might it might hit differently. Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, there's movies we've covered on the podcast that we did three years ago or right, whatever, and, and I'm like, yeah. oh, we should redo that because it's grown in your mind, or you've exactly. seen it again since, and you're like, oh, it actually, no, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we got one more week of Spooktober coming up. And then, uh, unfortunately, sadly, we'll be leaving this for another year. And then on to Christmas. On to Christmas. I am looking forward to Christmas uh, movies this year. Mm. Batman and Robin? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's really a Christmas movie, but fuck yeah. Somebody's picking it. We're doing it. it. <laughs> I'll pick her right now. Yeah. I'll pick it right now. <laughs> fuck, I can't wait. All right, John. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please check us out on Instagram. That's the best place to find us, Action Action Podcast. Uh, that has links to all of the important things. Please uh, check us out on Patreon where we have extra episodes. Uh, yeah, I think you'll like them. Maybe we'll release one soon. Give you guys a taste. Just a little, See what you're missing. Just a little taste of what you're missing. In January. Yeah, in January. You filthy animals. And we'll see you next week. Guys, guys.